Jesus gave this command to his disciples of all ages. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Amen. My dear Christian friends, it is not easy going to work in the morning, knowing that if you make the slightest mistake, your employer is going to berate you in front of your fellow employees. It's not fun to get up in the morning knowing you're going to sit in boredom in the classroom and then face teasing in the hallways. It's not pleasant going through another day concerned about whether you're going to have enough money for gas, groceries, and the mortgage. It's also not easy going to sleep at night knowing that your body is going to be racked with pain in the morning because of arthritis and old age. It's no fun going home after work because you know it's going to be just another lonely evening of binge-watching Netflix and doom-scrolling through your phone. It's not pleasant going through another sleepless night concerned about your myriad of health, marriage, and family issues. It may not be easy getting up in the morning or going to sleep at night because we're focusing so much on ourselves and what we see and what we feel. And so today we have the blessing that we know that we can wake up every morning cheerful and we have a reason to be content and comfortable every night when we lay our head on the pillow. And that's because it's not about us. It's about what we receive from our triune God. St. Paul gives us his apostolic blessing at the end of his second letter to the Christians in Corinth, saying, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Those words, grace, love, and fellowship, they're small words, and yet they are so powerful and so magnificent. St. Paul was writing to the Christians in Corinth because they had a lot of issues. Just some of those issues is that they were slow in dealing with a, with a man with his sin. And then they were slow in giving him forgiveness after he had repented of his offense. They had been involved and trapped in sexual sins of their culture. They were fellowshipping with pagan unbelievers they refused to use their myriad of special spiritual gifts for the edification of the body of Christ. They had a tendency to fracture into factions instead of being united around Christ's gospel. The Corinthian congregation certainly had a lot of issues. St. Paul very well could have written to them, to the church in Corinth, God has written you off. The end. But he didn't. Instead, he wrote, The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you all. They needed this grace. They desired this grace. They cherished this grace. We, too, need this grace. We cherish this grace. We desire this grace. Because are we, as 21st century Christians, really any different from those 1st century Christians? We, too, get caught up in the sexual sins of our culture and of our own bodies. We are slow to confront sin and then equally slow to offer forgiveness to those who are repentant. 
we support companies and celebrities who hate us and hate our Christian faith. And so we are then very quick in hiding and compromising our Christian faith. We are lazy in the use of our spiritual gifts for the edification of our Christian church. We easily and quickly split into factions and cliques in our home, our workplace, our neighborhood, and even within the church. And so we need this grace. And what is grace? Well, grace is God's undeserved love. Perhaps you noticed this week that it was a pretty fantastic week as far as weather is concerned. We had have, haven't had a week like this in a long time because it seems like we have gone from the cold and wind of winter to now the mosquitoes of summer. And what do you do with a mosquito when it's biting you? Well, you squash it. And if it's been active for a little while, there's some blood on your arm. Well, God has every right to squash us like mosquitoes under his righteous right hand because we are guilty of drawing blood from the very Son of God. We are just as guilty as Pontius Pilate and the Roman soldiers and the Jewish religious leaders. The blood of Jesus is on us and on our children. It was us and our sins that were there using the hand of the high priest to slap Jesus in the face. It was us that was right there with the Roman soldiers using the scourge to tear up Jesus' back. It was us there with the other Roman soldiers pounding nails through Jesus' perfect flesh. It was there, we were there with the Roman soldiers taking a spear and driving it into Jesus' heart. We are actually worse than blood-sucking insects because they don't know any better. We should. We are worse than those blood-sucking insects because we were drawing blood from the very Son of God. But God doesn't squash us. Instead, He forgives us. He doesn't pour out His anger and wrath on us. Instead, He turns His anger and wrath on His Son. Yes, we have the blood of Jesus on us because of our sins. But we also have the blood of Jesus because of our sins poured over us to wash away and remove those sins. Instead of God turning his anger toward us, he turned his anger toward his son so Jesus could absorb all of that anger eternally from us. So instead of squashing us, God squashed his son by nailing him to the cross. That's grace. That's powerful. That's magnificent. And now, now you can wake up every morning excited to begin every day experiencing more of God's grace. Now you can go to sleep at night content that no matter what gifts you don't have, you have the gift of God's grace. Paul continued with his blessing, the love of God be with you. Our love so often is fickle and it changes. It is love that we give only when it's convenient for us to love. We love on our times, timetable and on our schedule. 
And so we may have difficulty waking up in the morning because we know that we're going to have another day of what we feel is a loveless marriage. We have difficulty falling asleep at night because we've been doom-scrolling on our phone and we've read the not-so-charitable comments by those who, whom we consider should be the ones who love us the most. And then we are less than charitable in our words and actions toward those around us. And so we need to repent of our lack of love toward God and those whom God has called us to love. On February 10th, 1970, John Baca led his army platoon uh, into battle in South Vietnam. His job with his platoon was to go and rescue another platoon that was trapped by enemy fire. And when they got there, they formed a circle and they were able to return fire. But then the enemy threw a fragmentation grenade into the middle of all of those army soldiers. John Baca took his helmet and put it on the grenade. And then he put his body on his helmet. And that's when the grenade exploded. That was love. Not the smoochy, smoochy type of love we celebrate at Valentine's Day, but the sacrificial love that we remember on Memorial Day. The kind of love that caused our U.S. military to give the Medal of Honor to John Baca a year later. It's a kind of love that St. Paul mentions here, the love of God. That Greek word is agape. It is a self-sacrificing type of love. It is the love that we have in sacrificing our lo- ourselves for our friends. And that's the kind of love that John Baca had for his friends. That's the kind of love that Jesus had in sacrificing himself for his friends. Except that's not right, is it? Because Jesus' love is far greater than that of John Baca. John Baca was willing to sacrifice for his friends the same time that he was shooting at and trying to kill his enemies. Jesus, on the other hand, showed love by allowing his enemies to kill him. And these are the enemies who hated him mocked him, who spat on him, whipped him, and crucified him. Jesus died not for his friends. Jesus died for his enemies. For scripture says God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, while we were still enemies, Christ died for us. That's love. That's agape love. That's the kind of love that God the Father and God the Holy Spirit has for us through Jesus Christ. We need this love. We desire this love. We cherish this love. And now you can wake up every morning excited to experience another day of God's love for you. Now you can be content when you go to bed at night knowing that if you feel like no one else in the world loves you, You have the love of the God of the universe. Paul completes his threefold blessing by saying, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Fellowship involves sharing, partnership, enjoying things in common. And the Corinthian congregation certainly needed fellowship. 
Because one of their bigger issues was that they had fractured their fellowship. They liked to hang out together in factions and cliques and holy huddles, only with those people that they felt comfortable with. And then that put an end to the work of God within that church. It made it comfortable, or made it difficult there. And that's why Paul urged them, finally, brothers, goodbye. Aim for perfection. Listen to my appeal. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. And then Paul encouraged them to demonstrate that love and peace with a common public expression. Greet one another with a holy kiss. And so, friends, we too, like those Christian Christians in Corinth need to repent of our lack of fellowship. When we too separate into holy huddles and cliques and factions within the church. When we are separated and so God's work is not being done among us. But because of the grace of Jesus Christ and the love of God, we now have fellowship with our triune God. Because of our sin, we are separated from our three-time holy God, and so we cannot be in his presence. But because of his sacrifice and because of his resurrection, now we have unity and fellowship with our triune God. Because of what the second person of the Trinity accomplished on the cross and out of the grave, now we have fellowship with the other members of the triune God. For we have been baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And now that we have fellowship with our three-in-one God, we also have fellowship with one another. The Greek word here for fellowship is koinonia. It means sharing. It's having things in common. It is a communion. And so we enjoy the blessings of fellowship. A new life in Christ. The Comfort of forgiveness, answer prayers, the assurance of a life that never ends, and a unity with our fellow believers. And what a blessing it is for us to have this fellowship from the Holy Spirit. And so we celebrate this fellowship together, whether that is the Christian friends going miniature golfing this week, or the Lutheran voyagers going kayaking and canoeing yesterday, or whether it was me going out with a number of our teens and mountain biking on Friday. It is sharing Kringle and coffee in the friendship room. It is having a conversation during a basketball game at WLS or after a concert at Shoreland. It is receiving the Lord's Supper together. It is praying with and for one another. It is prayerfully and sacrificially supporting the ministries of fellowship here at Water of Life and in the Wisconsin Synod. We need this fellowship. We desire this fellowship. We cherish this fellowship. Because now we can wake up every morning looking forward to another day of worshiping our triune God together with our family in our homes and with our family of believers in our churches. And now we can go to bed at night comforted that we also have a family of believers who are praying with us and for us. That's the reality of our triune God. Every day, filled with his threefold blessings. Amen.